All right, good morning, everybody. Welcome once again to the Sunday Morning Digital Cathedral. I usually say coming to you out of Houston, Texas, but I'm not in Houston, Texas anymore. I'm about 30 miles west, a little town called Fulcher, Fulcher, Texas. Actually, Weston Lakes, Texas. I'm in a in a uh, in an area called Weston Lakes that is actually incorporated into its own city of about 3,500 people. So it's a lot different than what we had in Houston. We've moved, we've moved just about 10 days ago. You're looking at this on Sunday morning, uh, June 28th. So good morning on Sunday morning, June 28th. I'm actually recording this. I always do my recordings a little bit ahead of time. And I really was revved up about the scripture we're gonna look at today, so I couldn't wait. I wanted to get up here and do a, do a video, do a Sunday morning teaching on Philippians 1. So as you can obviously see behind me, I have not gotten anything prepared other than a blank wall. I'll share a little bit more with you in the in in Wednesdays to come. But actually looking at that plain wall, I kind of like it. It's, there's nothing distracting back there for you to look at. I was gonna divine, devise kind of a set, which I probably will still do, put some pictures up and make it look a little more attractive. Although I really do like the blank wall. I don't think my wife would let me, but if I painted this wall black, it might look pretty good. Might look not too bad at all. So anyway, we've moved in about 10 days ago. We moved in on June 3rd, and this is uh, Saturday evening, the 13th of June, and I'm doing this. And as I said, I've been pondering this scripture, Philippians chapter 1, verses 19 to 30 now, for over a week, and I just had it burning in me, some things that Paul was saying, and I wanted to come on and share with you on a Sunday morning. So this is for Sunday morning, June 28th. God bless you, thank you for being with me today. You know, whenever you read Paul's writings, whether it's Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, and Colossians, the four books that we're studying this year, you can't help but notice how relevant they are for us today. Um, they're timeless. The, Paul's, the Paul writings that Paul gave out are timeless. You, you can dig truth out of them. In fact, I'm not even sure Paul knew the depth of the revelation that he was bringing to the various churches. But the things that Paul dealt with in writing to the early church and writing to the Christians, we still deal with the same issues today. The encouragement that he gave them, honestly, we need that encouragement today. The revelation and the mysteries that he brought to the table, honestly, we're still unraveling. We haven't hit the depth of the, of the mysteries, the revelation, the truth that Paul brought to the table. So Paul's writings are excellent. His revelation that he brought was deep. And as I said, I'm not sure Paul even understood at that point the mysteries, the depth of the mysteries that he brought to the various churches. Actually, Paul dealt with four groups of people. We still deal with the four groups of people today, and, and you as a, as a son that is manifesting or demonstrating, I, I like that word demonstrating, you're demonstrating sonship today, you deal with the same basic four sets of people, four groups of people. Paul dealt first of all with people that were religious but were not awakened. They were happy in their religiosity. They were, they were cemented in, they stayed there, and they weren't gonna come out of being religious. The second group that Paul dealt with were people that were not awakened and they were not religious. They are often called as Gentiles, right? They were not awakened and they were not religious. They had no clue about spiritual matters. The first group, like the Jews, they were religious, but they certainly weren't awakened. Then Paul dealt with people that weren't awakened, nor were they religious. Then the third group of people that Paul dealt with were new believers, 
just came to Christ and they were so hungry to learn more that they just grabbed on to every word that Paul said. Those are the ones, you know, that, that wanted to set Paul on a pedestal and make him into something that Paul absolutely refused to be. And then the fourth group that Paul dealt with were people that were awakened, but still carrying religion around with them, right? And we, we deal with those same, same people today, and I want to talk a little bit more about that in just a minute. So the four groups that Paul dealt with, and you're going to have to learn to contend with these four groups of people today, are people that are religious, but not awakened, um, people that are not awakened and they're not religious, people that have just awakened, and man, they're hungry for more. They're, they're going to pull everything they can out of you. They're going to uh, continually message you, text you, uh, look at what you post on Facebook and pull everything they can pull out of you. And then the fourth group that Paul dealt with were people that were awakened, but were still carrying at some level religion around with them. So in, these, in this first chapter of Philippians, from verses 19 through 30, Paul is, is telling the church at Philippi, he's saying, look, you and I, Philippian Christians, we need to set an example for new believers and encourage them then to follow the example that we're setting. Now, again, in Philippians, Paul is talking to people about demonstrating the message, about demonstrating the truth that they had come to embrace. So let me read just a couple of verses from 19 through 21, and then I want to pick up verse 14, then we'll look at a couple, three verses from the end of the chapter. Uh, I'm not going to read all of 19 through 30 because a lot of it, I don't think we really, it's necessary to read it. We can get the truth out of what Paul was trying to say from verses 19 to 30 out of the verses that I'm going to read to you. All right, so let me pick it up in Philippians chapter 1 and verse 19. Now remember, what Paul is, is, is stressing here is that we need to not only talk to talk, we need to walk to walk. We need to demonstrate as sons. He says in verse 19, For I know that this will turn out for my deliverance. Now remember, Paul's writing this book from prison. He's in chains. His feet are in stocks. It's not a healthy situation. Paul's writing this from prison. If there's anybody that could have been discouraged, it would have been Paul. And yet how encouraging Paul was, even, even under the most adverse, trying circumstances. Verse 19, I know that this, this thing that I'm in, this, this prison, whatever dilemma you're facing, will turn out for my deliverance through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. Verse 20, according to my earnest expectation and hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but with all boldness, nothing to be ashamed about. He said, I don't want anything in my life to be ashamed about, but with all boldness, as always, as now also, Christ will be manifested in my body, that he will be demonstrated through my actions, that he will be demonstrated through the way I handle myself, the way I conduct myself. He said, whatever. He said, by life or by death. So Paul is saying, whether, whether I live or die, I want everything that transpires out of this physical man to demonstrate the gospel of Jesus. Now, in verse, verse 14, let me just back up to a verse we read last week. He said, most of, most of the brethren in the Lord, having become confident by my chains. Now, there's an important part here that he's going to get across. As much more bold to speak the word without fear. So Paul is saying, because of the situation that I'm in, in jail, it has created a boldness in the believers. So then he goes on in verses 19 through 21, and he talks about 
the Lord being magnified in us no matter what circumstance that we find ourselves in. Then he encourages them. We come down to verse 27. He's encouraging them after he lays down the example, says, look, here's how we're going to do this. Whether we live, we die, we want our life to manifest the gospel. Then he comes down to verse 27 of chapter 1, and he says, Only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of your affairs, that you stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Now, I think it's really noteworthy there that Paul said, he didn't say anything about having the same total agreement in beliefs or doctrine. But he did say, I want you to be steadfast in one spirit with one mind, and I want you to begin to pull together, strive for the faith of the gospel. Verse 28, and not in any way terrified by your adversaries, which is to them a proof of perdition, but to you of salvation and that from God. So he said, look, don't get upset. Don't get, don't get fearful about anything that comes your way. And may I just tell you that today too? I know that some of you are facing some really tough situations and circumstances. Some of you in the digital cathedral have, you know, we don't know everything that goes on with everybody. And I probably know a little bit more than a lot of you because I have contact with many of you. There's a lot of things going on right now with the people of God. And I wanna encourage you like Paul encouraged the Philippians. Don't let anything discourage you. Don't let anything bring fear into your life. There's nothing to fear. There's nothing to be discouraged about. Paul said, I let, I'm laying down an example in chains, in bondage, in prison. And he said, I'm writing this letter to encourage you. So now as I encourage you, I want you to be encouraged, Paul says. So then he goes on in verse 29, and he says, for, you, for to you it has been granted on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him. So what, what's Paul getting across here? Well, first of all, let me hit verse 30. I, I want to add verse 30 here. He says, having the same conflict which you saw in me and now here is in me. So Paul says, look, you're gonna face conflict. Jesus said in this world, you'll have tribulation. He said, but be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. Paul said, you will have conflict. He said, I have conflict, you have conflict. So he said, it doesn't matter what the conflict is. We're gonna come out the other side fully demonstrating the gospel of Jesus. So Paul's writing to them really about two things, two big things that I wanna drive home this morning. And this is what I've been contemplating about all week. I, I, couldn't, I couldn't wait to unload this. Paul's writing about two things that are so important to us still today. He's writing to them, first of all, about change. They were undergoing tremendous change and they would continue to undergo tremendous change. Second thing he's writing to them about is destiny. Two things, change and destiny. Where they're going, what they're gonna face, and how they're gonna get there. There's always a tension between change and destiny. The more you reach or move towards your destiny, the more grace is gonna change you. Let me say something about destiny. Maybe this will clear up a mistaken conception. Destiny is not something that you're trying to create for yourself. Before Father ever sent you to this planet, he stamped you with a destiny. By, he, let me put it a little more plainly. He wired you for a particular destiny. He put the likes, the dislikes, your temperament, your behavior patterns, he put all of that into you 
That is your destiny. Your destiny has been set. It may take you 2,000 years to reach it. I don't know. But your destiny is set. You have a part to play in the creation story, in the totality of creation for all of eternity. You have a part to play. That's your destiny. All right? So we're not going to change our destiny. I'm not going to change my destiny. I think I'm fulfilling my destiny just as you're fulfilling your destiny. And some of you may feel like you're not fulfilling. You don't have any destiny or you missed your destiny. No, you didn't miss it at all. That's why he talks to them about change. Change and destiny. The more you reach, the more you move toward your destiny, the more you're going to find that grace changes you. Now, notice I didn't say you'd have to change yourself. This is why we have the foundation of grace behind us. Grace is that, is that divine influence that produces an effortless change in us as we rest in him. As he changes us, we move toward that destiny. Paul said it like this. He said, I travail, brothers, I travail in birth until Christ is formed in you. So the, the change that you continually go through are the experiences that are, that are forming you into your destiny. Let me say that again. The changes that you go through, and all of them are not pleasant. I, I will be the first to admit that. I've come, you know, I know there's a hell because I've been there. I've been through it. And so have many of you. The changes that you, that you encounter, the things, the experiences, the things that you have are shaping you for the pre-wired destiny. And they're not always pleasant. They're not always easy. Sometimes things happen to us in life that create a change in attitude, a, a way that we view people. All of those things create uh, a paradigm shift that helps to form the destiny. You know, here God's, God's, God's using change to mold you. It's kind of like the sculptor. Guy came up and his sculptor had this beautiful sculpture of a horse. And this man was marveling at it. And he said, how did you ever sculpt this horse, this beautiful horse? Every, the, the, the lines were so well defined. And the man said, well, simply I, I took a block of stone and I knocked everything off of that block of stone that didn't look like a horse. And that's exactly what God is doing with you. If you were pre-wired to be a musician or a singer or a teacher or a businessman, whatever it is where your likes take you, if you like to hunt, right? You know, that's a ministry. There's lots of different destinies that we have that he's created us for. So what he does by the changes we face and the circumstances we encounter, listen to me, through those circumstances, he's knocking everything off of you like the sculptor did the block of stone. Everything off of you that does not look like what your destiny is. And all you have to do is dwell in grace and let that divine influence create the change as you rest in him. Now, we have seen a tsunami of people that have undergone great change, a tsunami of people that have come out of law, that have come out of religion, and they've come into a mixed message of law and grace. I have, I have a lot of Facebook friends that are in that place. He's knocked some things off of them, religion off of them, and they've come into a place now of law and grace. And I thank God for men like Joseph Prince and Andrew Womack. They are great bridges for people to come out of, out, of, out of religion into a mixed message. And don't make any mistake about it, Joseph Prince and Andrew Womack teach a mixed message. 
I, I came through them. I've read every book that Joseph Prince has written, large book and small books. Same with Andrew Womack. First it was Joseph Prince, then I went to Andrew Womack. I've written everything that they've, I've read everything they've written. And they've done a good job on a lot of areas, but there's still a mixture within them. They're a bridge. That's their part. That's their destiny. I, they're never going to teach radical, pure, hyper grace. They're not going to do it. It's not going to happen. I don't know whether they don't see it or they just, you know, I, I don't know. I'd like to know, but I really don't need to know. <laughs> All I need to know is they're doing their part. I thank God for them. But there comes a time that you discover, okay, this is not all that there is. This is not the whole pie, it's a slice. And so you begin to move out of that mixture of law and grace, and both of them teach tithing. Tithing is law. I don't care how you wanna cut it up. Tithing is law. You, you are not under the law of tithing. You do not have to tithe. In fact, none of the law was ever for you Gentiles. It was given solely to the nation of Israel. You were never under tithing. You tithed because you went to church and somebody taught you to tithe. It was a learned behavior. So when you discover, okay, there's still some mixture there, then you begin to move into this place of a radical, pure grace, hyper grace message. I've, I've been in that phase. It's a great place to be. It sets the foundation for us. But then as you, as, you, as you continue to grow and develop and you begin to come down into some of the depths of the grace, and you begin to understand the height, the depth, the length, and the breadth of the love of God, you begin to discover, wait, there's more. There's inclusion. There, there's more. Uh, there, there's, there's the manifesting, the demonstrating of sonship. And so now, a lot of us that were in that hyper, uh, pure, radical grace message, which is still part of me, still part of me, we now are, have become part of a new set of trailblazers, which one set of trailblazers came out of religion into a mixed message. Then you became part of a set of trailblazers that came out of the mixed message into a pure hyper grace. And now you're saying, you know what? There's more to this. There's, there's another slice to the pie. And we're beginning to demonstrate that. Now with any group of trailblazers, that are forming new paths for others to follow. And that's what Paul was getting at in this first chapter of Philippians. He's saying, guys, we need to set some paths down. We need to set some direction down so that others can follow us. That's why you're with me on the Digital Cathedral in case you hadn't caught on yet. We are trailblazers. We, we're not traveling on a road that's already been prepared for us through the forest. We're in there with machetes and buzzsaws creating the road that others are gonna follow. And you're with me on this. What a great journey it is. I wouldn't have it any other way. But whenever there's a new set of trailblazers, let me, let me just encourage you today as Paul encouraged them in that first chapter. And we read it. You will face opposition. Everybody's not gonna applaud you. Everybody's not gonna stand back and cheer you. Everybody is not gonna give you great accolades and pats on the back and say, attaboy, thank you for leading us out of what we were in. Not everybody's gonna do that. Whenever you moved from law and religion into a mixture message, you got opposition from religion. You had people tell you, say, watch that Joseph Prince, he's teaching air. You watch that Andrew Womack, they, they are, they're, they're false teachers. You know, my particular denomination that I came out of years ago, they don't embrace that kind of message. It's too radical for them. 
And so when Paul came out of, of, out of Judaism and got a revelation from Jesus, he faced opposition from the Jews, the group that he came out of. Now, here's what's amazing. When you moved out of the mixture message, when you went from Joseph Prince and Andrew Womack to Pure Grace, to Steve McVeigh and Don Keithley and a number of others, the mixture said to you, you're a heretic, you're a universalist. You have, you have taken the grace message too far. You've taken, the, you've taken the grace message to a place that you shouldn't take it. It has now become air. You are in severe air and you need to come back. I heard that so many times. I mean, you cannot take grace and love too far. You can't take inclusion too far. I've read you the, I've read you the verse from Ephesians 2, chapter 7, gazillions of times, where Paul said it's going to take us the ages to come to explore the depths and the riches of the grace that God has shown to us in Christ Jesus. I just quoted you a verse from Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 19 that talks about the height, the depth, the length, and the breadth of God's love. And that as we explore it, we will brought, be brought into the fullness of God. Listen, there's a lot of room to go with this message. There's a lot of room to grow and change, but I'm encouraging you this morning to know that whenever you become a trailblazer, the group that you left will be the group that criticizes and tries to pull you back into their, into their theological stand. Those who move... Uh, toward manifested sons are now gonna be opposed by grace people. I, I'm opposed by the very people that I brought into the message of grace now feel that I've taken this too far. So when you, whenever you expand consciousness, whenever, whenever your level of understanding in, in, enhances, it grows larger, you can expect that not everybody's gonna be happy with you. They, they want you to remain like you were because they were comfortable with you there. They felt they knew you there. Next, sun, next Sunday morning, I wanna lay out the path a little bit on, on how to demonstrate sonship from Philippians chapter two. Paul told us some, some marvelous things there, but that's not till next Sunday. This morning, I, I wanna stick with the idea that Paul is bringing change, and destiny, those, those two main cogs right now in your life that as I'm fulfilling my call as demonstrating sonship and fulfilling my call of leading you into demonstrating sonship also, I, I want you to know that there's gonna be constant change for us because he's knocking everything off of us that does not look like our destiny. All of the ties, the pulls, the chains, the cords that you don't even realize right now are there. But when he brings you to another place, another level of understanding, a little bit deeper revelation, and some of these things fall off that you weren't even aware of, you'll look back and say, I saw they were there. I recognize it. Now. I see it. Every level of consciousness brings a new freedom. And it brings a new renewing of mind, a deeper renewing of mind, the mind of Christ, and you understand now why you are not like you used to be. None of us are like we used to be. Next year, if you stay with me, stay with me, keep supporting because we're going somewhere. We're not gonna be next year like we are this year. So let's talk about that change a little bit. I want you to get used to change. Learn to embrace change. Change is not bad, change isn't wicked. Let's embrace it. Change. Let, let me tell you how big the change is going to be. Can I read you a scripture that was like the number one 
rapture scripture. And, you know, there is no rapture of the church. There's no secret out of here in the middle of the night. I hope you've come to that place yet. This was the number one rapture scripture, but let me let me show you what he's talking about here. Talking about change. You talk about change. Oh my gosh. This is change here, guys. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Let me read down through verse 58. You, you know it, but I, let me put it in a new light for you. Paul says, behold, verse 51, 1 Corinthians 15, if you want to follow or you want to come back later. He said, I, I tell you a mystery. All right, so we're got, we got a mystery. Mysterion is the Greek word. Something that has been hidden, but now is coming to light. He said, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. We shall all be changed. That's pretty inclusive. That's a very inclusive statement there. We shall all be changed. Not all of us are going to sleep. We thought that meant uh, be dead. It, it, that's not what he's talking about. He's talking about all of us are not going to be unawakened. All of us, there's going to be a lot of us that are, are going to awaken to truth. But all of us, whether we've awakened to truth or not awakened to truth, we're going to all be changed. That's, that's the beauty of where grace takes you. One of the places grace takes you is to inclusion, where we're all included in the change. It's nothing you free will yourself into. It is a preordained setup by the Father to bring us into the conformity of, of Christ, right? So he's knocking everything off, bringing you into that destiny, whatever that destiny is for you, that you reflect the Christ in whatever occupation, uh, endeavor, activity you find yourself in, all right? So here, verse 52, in a moment, how fast is this change gonna be? In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. I'd like to stop with every verse, but I'm not going to. For this corruptible must put on incorruption and this mortal must put on immortality. When do we put on immortality? When we hear the trumpet. Now, what is the trumpet? It blasts a sound a vibration. There is a sound that you will hear. I'm hearing a sound in the spirit today. I'm hearing, uh, 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 there's a vibrational level going on today. We're hearing it. Many are hearing the sound. He's not talking about uh, a bugle, like, a, you know, taps or, you know, reveille in the morning to get you up. He's not talking about a trumpet. He's talking about a sound that we will hear that will bring us to life. Those that have not been alive will be brought to life. They will hear the sound, right? Verse, verse 54, so when the corruptible has put on incorruption and the mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Verse, 20, verse 55, death, where's your sting? Oh, Hades, where is your victory? Verse 56, for the sting of death is sin and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through Christ Jesus. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast. He's encouraging, I'm encouraging you, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain. Guys, there is so much change going on today. There is so much upheaval going on today. Let me tell you something, be unmovable, be fixed, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Continue to hear the sound, continue to come awake, knowing 
that you're a trailblazer and there's gonna be multitudes and multitudes following you into the change, putting on immortality on this mortality, putting on incorruption on what has been corrupted. All right? So we're, 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 we're being changed. You gotta expect upheaval. You have to expect a little bit of mess in this. It's not gonna be an easy. That old order does not die easily. It does not die easily. You are part of the rebirthing process. Now, let me just take something here. The dead that he's talking about here are people that have not been awakened. Remember I told you there's four groups of people that you're gonna be ministering to, that Paul ministered to, and a couple of those groups are people that are not yet awakened. They're not, he's not talking about physically being physically dead. Because in verse 56, sin and law mean nothing to a physically dead man. Sin shall not have any more dominion over you. The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. If he's talking about people that are physically dead, sin, sin and, 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 and uh, the law mean nothing to them. He's not talking about people that are physically dead. He's talking about people that are coming alive. There's a huge change that grace is bringing in verse 57, he talks about it. He said, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So how, do, how does all this transpire? It transpires through the victory that we have in Christ Jesus. All the change, it's continually changing. So your destiny is this, right? Part of your destiny is verse 58, be unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord right? Don't let, don't let what's going on around you. Don't let the change affect you. Don't let it bring you down. Your carnal soul-driven mind is going to hit you with a lot of heavy doubts in the days that are ahead of us. That's, that's what, those are the bullets that the trailblazers have to encounter. Going to question, going to tell you crazy. Your carnal mind, what there's left of it, and this is what he's peeling off through circumstances and sometimes adversities that you face. He's, he's peeling that carnal thinking off so that you become totally, listen, so that you become totally spirit-directed in your Christ-mindedness, right? In your Christ-mindedness comes to the surface. The more, the more it emerges, the less carnal thinking, more, the less flesh thinking, the less you're driven by your five senses, the less you're moved by appearances. Look, you, sometimes you need to get off of social media because there's a lot of junk flying around there. You don't need to read it. You don't need to hear it. You don't need to, to repeat it. You are better off to shut yourself in somewhere and get quiet and listen to the spirit of truth that's in you because if you keep going over to that stuff, I'm telling you what, you're not going to remain unmovable. It's going to move you. I have to pull myself back. I, there have been a lot of people that I still have kept as Facebook friends, but I don't follow them anymore because they are crazy. <laughs> I don't understand what in the world, why in the world they're coming and saying the things that they're saying. It's, it, so I, I don't want my mind to be affected by that stuff. Are you listening to me? The last group that you were in is going to try to pull you back into the group you were in. You can't afford to be there. You've undergone tremendous shifts. You've undergone through great paradigm changes. You've gone from religion to a mixed message to pure grace. 
And now he's drawing you, he's pulling you, and you're gonna come through circumstances. Some of them are not gonna be good. Some are gonna be uh, adversarial to you. He's pulling you into demonstrating the message. Paul spent so much time in Ephesians, Philippians, and Colossians talking about, guys, now it's time we demonstrate. I have taught you everything you need to know. You are equipped. And I'm saying that to you on the Digital Cathedral. You are equipped. It's time to demonstrate. I'm gonna do a whole teaching on this, but the greatest demonstration of sonship is not healing. It's not miracles. It's not signs and wonders. That's part of it. And it will be part of it. The greatest, according to the words of Jesus, the greatest demonstration of sonship is to be a peacemaker. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Okay? A peacemaker is not a peacekeeper. A peacemaker is one, and I don't want to teach the teaching, but a peacemaker is one. And this is part of the change you're going through and the frustration and the people that are bugging you and are hitting you with all kinds of, of garbage and trash and, ins and insaneness. You need to learn how to be able to walk in the middle of that confusion, in the middle of that, that Facebook thread and bring peace. That's the role of, of the son. So measure your sonship, not by how many physical blind eyes you open, or, or how many people, uh, uh, you know, that you bring out a religion, that's, that's part of it, and that'll always be there. I would begin to put a measure, uh, and I'm, I'm measuring my sonship now, but how much peace I am able to make in situations where there is no peace. A peacekeeper is one that keeps it. He's able to maintain. A, peace, a peacemaker is one that walks in the middle of confusion, uh, adversarial uh, positions, people at war, and he's able to bring the peace. He's able to bring the Prince of Peace himself. All right? So he's drawing us into that. So keep changing. Every time your paradigm shifts, every time your paradigm shifts, your heart begins to think different. Remember, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. The heart will grow, and I'm going to keep hammering on this till you get it. The heart grows whatever you plant in there. So whenever we begin to shift in our mind, we plant different seed in our heart and whatever the heart thinks, that's what we begin to manifest. So I want you to begin to think peace seeds, P-E-A-C-E. -E. I want you to begin to drop seeds into your subconsciousness, into your spirit, into your heart. Peace, you're a peacemaker. Begin, begin to see yourself as a peacemaker. Begin to visualize yourself as you have two family members that are just arguing, 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 and you're able to walk in and bring peace. Neighbors, church people. I mean, how much, how much war and adversity and, and divisiveness is in religion? That's one of the marks of religion. We need peacemakers in every area of life. That's where sons manifest themselves, demonstrate sonship, probably the strongest. And the second way is by loving other, other people. By this shall all men they know that you're my disciples or sons or followers because the love you have for one another. So if we can love and make peace, I'll tell you what, the signs and the wonders are gonna follow. We've, we've emphasized the signs and the wonders, but I'm telling you something, there's a basic, there's a basic foundation of demonstrating sonship and is bringing peace where there is no peace. Are, are you with me? So the word's working in us. It's creating change. 
and it's gonna keep you kind of setting on the back burner until those changes are made. In fact, in, in Luke chapter one, verse 80, in talking about John the Baptist, it says that he was held in the wilderness until the day of his appearing. What was going on in John's life out in the wilderness? He was being changed. He, everything that didn't look like the greatest prophet of, of men, according to Jesus, was being knocked off of him in the wilderness. In Psalm 105 and verse 19, it talks about Joseph, and it says that Joseph, and this is a paraphrase, was held out of sight until the word did its work in Joseph, and then he appeared. So once God's word does a work in us, and it, it creates a, a, a shift in mind, a paradigm shift, we drop new seeds into our subconsciousness, into our heart, into our spirit. We begin to grow other things. The change then reveals our destiny. Your destiny is not something you have to strive for or think you're going to miss or try to make up or make, try, say, what, what, where am I really going? What am I really trying to do? What am I, who am I trying to be? Forget that. Just work with the changes. Rest in the changes that are going on in your life now, knowing that the Father has hooked you up and he's wired you for who you are. There's nobody that can be a better you than you. There's nobody that can sit here in Fulcher, Texas, teaching on the digital cathedral, manifesting sonship, leading others into sonship better than I can do it. There's nobody that can do what you do better than you can do it. That's why I support you. That's why I encourage you. That's why I, I, I try to lead you the very best that I can. The changes have been to mature us. The changes have been to create uh, everything in our life that we need to have uh, disclosed to us to help us be who we really are. Probably none of us have had a full glimpse of what our destiny really looks like. So it's an uncovering. It's a mystery to some level. And Paul talks so many times about mystery. And in his first chapter of Philippians, he's talking about the mystery that's being revealed. And the, the revealing of the mystery is their demonstration of the message. That's a great unveiling of the mystery. How, how many times during the dealings of God have you thrown your arms up like I have and said, God, what the heck is going on? Why is, why is this happening in my life? I, don't, I didn't ask for this. I didn't deserve this. How many times I've sat across the desk when I was pastoring and people would say, Pastor, I don't know why I'm going through this. I pray every day. I read my Bible. I go to church. I tithe. And they list all the things, all the good things they do and why nothing should ever uh, adversarially come into their life. And don't you know that things come adversarially? <coughs> Excuse me to knock off what doesn't look like our destiny. You have to go with it, relax with it, rest in it. He's got you covered, being, faith, being, being persuaded of this, that the one that began a good work in us will finish it. He's gonna take care of it. He'll see it through. Yes, you're in control, but God's in charge. That's a, that's a title of a, of a teaching I got coming. You're in control, but God's in charge. Huge difference there, huge difference there. So when, when you finally come through the change, when you finally, you come up to that place, once you're purged and cleared of the ties and the poles and the soul power that still tries to dominate you, and we come into another level, we come into a higher consciousness, 
then you see why you came through what you came through. I can look back on my life now and, and, and some of the things I questioned like when I was going through it. I mean, I've faced, I've faced some tough things in church life in 50 years. And a couple of them had me totally uh, befuddled. I didn't know why I was facing what I was facing because I was as faithful as I could be doing everything I know to do. Now looking back, I can see one time it was to pull me out of a denomination. I would have never left. I was comfortable in that. I, was, I knew how to function and flow in it. I knew how to rise to the top. I knew what I needed to do and I was doing it as a young man. And when, when, when it hit the fan, I didn't deserve it. And I would say, God, why are you let, letting, if this is what being a pastor is, if this is what being called is about, I don't want anything to do with this. And I'd get angry with God. <laughs> Doesn't pay off, does it? He, he still pulls us back. He reels us back. I remember, I remember one time, God helped my immaturity when I was, uh, I guess I must have been 26. Had a, going through a hard time. I went out in the backyard and shook my fist at God and just said, God, you might as well take me now. I've had enough of this. I've had, just take me. I've, I don't need this. I don't want this call. I'm done. I quit. But everything you go through moves you closer. I wouldn't be sitting here today teaching what I'm teaching today if I had not come through what I've come through. See, when you're going through things, you got a choice. You're in control, you got a choice. You can either come through it or go around the mountain and face it again. <laughs> you may face, <laughs> I'm afraid there are gonna be some things I'm gonna face for a couple thousand years because I'm, I'm, I'm tough-headed. Sometimes I'm, I'm you know, I have, I have a thick skull. I don't learn too quick, uh, but I'm learning to learn quicker. Everything has been in preparation. It has put us in a mode of waiting for change after change so that the sonship in us would arise and we could demonstrate it. Man, we are in a day, I don't know if you're recognizing it, but we're in such a day of exponential release. The, 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 this is the time that is appointed by the Father. If there's ever a day that our culture, our world, not just, not just the United States of America, but look what's going on around the world. Look how this pandemic in just a short time shut everything down. That's, that's a suddenly. That was a quick work. You don't think God can do a quick work like that or even quicker? I mean, as this thing continues to roll and build and gain momentum, it's gonna, it's gonna, it is gaining traction, but the traction it's gained is nothing to how fast it will gain traction. The question is, are you ready? Are you ready? Will you, as Paul encouraged the Philippians in, in chapter one, will you be encouraged that whatever you're facing, whatever change, you know that it's knocking off of you what doesn't look like your pre-wired destiny. Your pre-wired destiny. Paul, Paul was, Paul still, I believe that cloud of witnesses is still travailing for us till the, 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 the totality of Christ is formed in us. You know, that, that's my prayer, that we, can, that we can just attain to that destiny that we have, that belongs to us. You, you're rising. You are becoming, you're not striving, you are becoming. And so let me just end this today by a quick encouragement. Can I do that? Let me tell you something. You are the apple of the Father's eye. He is so pleased with you. He is so pleased with you. 
I, I know some of you feel that he's not pleased, that you've failed, that you've let God down. You haven't let God down one iota. Do you think there's been anything that you have done or you think where you have failed him that he didn't set back thousands of years ago and saw it happening? He knows the end from the beginning. The steps of, of your life have been ordered. Every day of your life has been written down. He knows exactly how you function. He he created you. He was the manufacturer. And the manufacturer knows how to get optimum use out of his product, out of his creation. We, we can't grasp how much the Father loves us. But, but the day is approaching. I'm telling you, the day is approaching that we will. Now listen to me. If you haven't listened to anything I've said this morning, I want you to listen to this. When you get to know you, as you have always been known by him, when you love you and you accept you like he has always loved you and accepted you, you know what? Your love for him is going to fully mature. It just is an automatic happening. The more, the more I know how much he loves me, the more I love him. I, I don't have a full glimpse of fully of how he sees me. I, I, I'm, I'm letting it get out there bigger and bigger. And I'll tell you, every time it expands, it makes me smile from ear to ear and want to do a happy dance. But when you know you, when you love you, like he knows and loves you, your love for him is going to grow exponentially. It's going to go off the charts. And with that perfect love, every fear will be driven out. The fear of what any, any you know, uprising could bring or any civil disobedience or rebellion in the nation could bring, what the stock market could crash, all that kind of fear is going to go through perfect love. And that perfect love hooks onto us when we know us like he knows us. So what's going on today? Paul talked change and destiny. Change is going on. Submit to it. Go with it. Let it happen. Don't fight it. Don't resist the change. When you find out, when you find you're loving people you didn't love before, don't question yourself. Your mind's going to question and say, don't cut that guy any slack. Don't forgive him. Don't let him off the hook. He, you, need to, you need to make him pay for that. When you find all of a sudden you, you don't need that anymore, don't fight it. When you begin to see, man, how much he loves you. Don't fight that. Don't question it. Don't let your carnal mind say, he, he can't love me that much because he, he must not know all I've done. He, he didn't see me back there at that time. He didn't know what I did over there. He didn't see me in that circumstance. Yeah, he did, but it didn't change his love for you one bit. All right. So you need to be like John. John called himself the disciple that Jesus loved. You need to call yourself the disciple that Jesus loves. You are the apple of his eye. He is pleased with you. And if he could say anything to you today, he would say, you are my beloved son. You are my beloved daughter in whom I am well pleased. He doesn't look at you outwardly. He looks at you inwardly. And when he sees what's on the inside of you, he sees himself. He sees his image and he sees his likeness. He sees the breath of life that he blew into your nostrils that's making you live every day to its, its absolute fullest. If you're not living the fullest life that you possibly can, you know what? Ask him what is restricting you. 
asking, ask him what's holding you back and let him show you and let him create the change that will, that will stop the inhibiting of the very best life that you can possibly have. He wants you to prosper and to be in health even as your soul prospers. As this thing prospers, as it functions in the mind of Christ, as the chains, the cords, the ties, as you sever those and allow him to remove them, new seeds go into your heart, into your subconscious, into your spirit, and you're gonna begin to find a difference in demonstration on the outside. But you gotta see it first on the inside. Amen? All right, next Sunday morning, I'll pick it up in Philippians chapter two, and we're gonna talk about this progressive walk of demonstrating the message. Go back and listen to this message again. I think there's a whole lot in there that you probably didn't catch the first time. Keep me in your prayers. We're still at, at the recording here. We are still hip deep in boxes. Oh my gosh. My poor wife, God bless her. I married a saint. She, she has got a lot of work in set, setting up the house. You know how ladies are. There's nothing I can really do because she has her mind as to where everything needs to go. So I'm just trying to stay out of the way. I got my stuff kind of set. So I'm just kind of waiting. But we, you just keep us in prayer. We haven't killed each other yet. We're, <laughs> we're still doing good. God bless you. Thank you for your daily, for your monthly support, for your prayers, for being with me. What an awesome journey we're in. We're in it together, brother. And I'm in it to win it, aren't you? I'm in it to see death put under our feet. I'm in it for this mortality to put on immortality. I'm in it to see this corruption put on incorruption. The one that promised it is the one that's going to fulfill it. God bless you. We'll see you next time on the Sunday Morning Digital Cathedral. Have a wonderful week. And let's demonstrate the message by being peacemakers. Amen.